Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer at Cantor Managed ETF Portfolios. As a reminder, you can follow me intraweek on Twitter or X. My handle is at ETF underscore strategist or on LinkedIn just by following Herb Morgan. Uh, the presentation you are about to see and hear has been prepared by us, Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors. It is designed for use with both investors and financial advisors, but each are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything contained herein is for informational purposes only. There is no tax advice, etc. Let's get into it. The final week of 2023 saw the stock market rise again solidifying the strength for the year. The S&P 500 finished up more than 25%, led by the uh, the technology sector, now by far the largest uh, sector in the United States economy. So big, in fact, a year or two ago, we, they broke out from technology. Many companies put them into the communication services sector. And of course, that continues to do well and grow and expand as innovation continues uh, to bless the U.S. capital markets and investors. Mid and small cap stocks up 16% about. International markets participated. Emerging markets, which had lagged most of the year, primarily the biggest weight in emerging markets is China, which has languished, had a big week last week. Emerging markets up 3%, led by China, of course. Uh, in the world of fixed income, you know, we went through a year with uh, many interest rate hikes, we would have thought we'd have negative returns from fixed income from bonds last year. There was a lot of talk that 2023 would be a year of recession in which something like high yield bonds would have been expected to have uh, negative returns. That didn't happen. Uh, you can see high yield bonds returned almost 13% last year. The aggregate bond index itself up five and a half. And the 20-year Treasury index, which had been down double digits, significant double digits, just a few months ago, has rallied strong. And uh, the yield on the U.S. 10-year Treasury, which had topped 5% in October, finished uh, the year down uh, well below 4%. And even long-dated U.S. Treasuries, if you had held on to the wild, volatile ride this year, last year rather, still would return 2%. So it was a great year for financial asset classes, as you can see on the right-hand column. No red. No red is a great year. Uh, moving into data from last week, let's start with house prices. We got both Case-Shiller and FHFA reports. October FHFA house price index up three-tenths of a percent. A little bit less than expected. That's good, showing some inflation cooling in the housing market. Still, though, 6.3% year-over-year is a bit of a challenge for first-time home buyers. Uh, Case-Shiller Home Price Index showed similar results in October, up 0.64% and up almost 5% on a year-over-year -year basis. Um, 
Moving on, weekly initial claims for unemployment. There was a lot of, oh boy, this is it. Last week, we're finally getting the jump in uh, initial jobless claims as we went to 218,000. 218,000 is a very low number by historic standards uh, on an absolute basis. You have to go back to the late 1960s when, of course, the population of the country was much smaller. Uh, the, the, the number of people in the labor force was much, much smaller. Uh, and the bottom line is we still have a very resilient, very strong jobs market in this country. And that's why we just haven't entered into a recession. We, you know, I called for a recession in March of last year when we had the bank failures, and that was a bad call. And we uh, got through that. The banks, uh, we've moved past any sort of banking crisis. Interest rates have uh, begun to come down. And uh, weekly claims for unemployment remain well below, well below the 300,000 level, which where I identify as the, the place where we are in a healthy jobs market. Uh, moving on, pending home sales uh, were unchanged after falling 1.2% in October. That's the blue little lines uh, on the graph. Um, uh, and are down 5% from uh, a year ago. Why? Why are pending homes not selling? Why is the volume of homes transacted so low? Well, it's high interest rates. But we also know that the 10-year treasury a rate upon which many interest rates are calculated for the longer term, 15 and 30-year fixed type mortgages, uh, that has been coming down aggressively, coming down from over 5% late October to about 3.8, 3.9% last week. And the adjustable rate mortgages, which are often based off things, the short-term interest rates, which are related to the Fed funds rate, we now expect those to be coming down in 2024. So we can expect uh, a volume pickup in 2024 in the residential real estate business. Um, we got the Chicago PMI last week uh, for December. Uh, it dropped below 50. Uh, we've been below 50 in manufacture, most of the manufacturing PMIs now for about six months. That is contraction. So if we're in contraction, why do the markets keep going higher? Well, the markets are discounting the future. The markets see the contraction, believe that the Federal Reserve will react by cutting interest rates. Cutting interest rates means more liquidity in the system. More liquidity in the system finds its way into asset prices. So we got another PMI drop down below 50 uh, just a 46.9 for the Chicago region. New orders, well below 50, 44.5. Production still high, and employment also went below 50 there. I always like to take a look back at you know our predictions, uh, what the market looked like, what the consensus of predictions was. And when we look back at the end of 2022, just a year ago, we had a forward PE multiple on the S&P 500 of 16.8. You had an awful lot of strategists, pundits calling for a bear market in equities. Uh, I, would, I did not share that view, but three months later I did uh, as I was concerned about the bank failures constricting lending, that constricting economic activity, bringing inflation down quickly, of course, um, but we never got that recession last year. The beginning of 12, at the beginning of 2023, the forward Estimated earnings per share for the S&P 500 was about $228. We go into this year with a multiple that's significantly higher, almost three full percentage points higher. Earnings per share estimate higher, of course, you know, about looks like about 10% higher, about $242. Uh, 
And you can see at the, the consensus of the analysts at the end of last year was that earnings per share for the S&P 500 was going to decline in 2023. We know that did not happen. We know that was not the case. And that's a big reason why stock prices were so resilient. In fact, even higher um, last year. Now there's still plenty of analysts who are very smart, very educated, who are calling for uh, a decline in earnings uh, growth for the S&P 500 this year. But the consensus, the blended consensus of those folks, of everybody, is that earnings per share will grow another almost 11 percent this year. We started the year with a Fed funds rate of four and a half percent, and we were expecting um, two two hikes. We got four, four and a half to five and a half. That's four 25 basis point hikes. So if we had said, you know, hey, I'm going to give you a look in the future, it's not going to be two hikes, uh, Herb, it's going to be four. And uh, the market only expects two. You would think that the result would have been lower stock prices and more volatility in the market. And that was not the case. This year, the, the consensus estimate as of this morning is for six interest rate cuts in 24. In other words, one and a half percent off that Fed funds rate and ending 2024 with a Fed funds rate of 4%. We were worried about inflation at the beginning of last year, five and a quarter percent. It's still well above the Fed's target of three. So this is an area where people are very much in disagreement and debate. Will the core PCE number keep coming down so that the Fed can implement these cuts? Or why would the Fed cut if core PCE is still above its target and the jobs market is as healthy as it is? So there's a lot of debate and consensus around that. The Fed could shock the markets in, say, March, April, May, by not cutting as expected and maintaining this higher Fed funds rate for a longer period of time. Money supply growth on a year-over-year -year basis, if I had put the 2020 and 21 numbers here, you would see a data point where money supply growth was 25% year-over-year. That contributed, obviously, significantly to the inflation. By the end of 22, money supply growth had gone negative, and by the end of 23, it had gone significantly negative. We went through a year with negative money supply growth, which we'd never had before. Most folks would thought that would have deflated the economy, deflated, deflated inflation. It certainly helped on the inflation side, but we would not have expected massive upside returns in uh, prices of uh, financial assets like equities and, and decent returns in bonds. Oil has come down from the end of last year from $80 to about $71. Unemployment's ticked a little higher, but still we're solidly at what we'd call full employment. U.S. household and nonprofit net worth, which is an important determinant of growth of the economy, spending in the economy, et cetera, went up this year from $14.4 to $15 trillion. Uh, and however, um, the, the debt outstanding of the U.S. Treasury continues to climb. And that remains the biggest economic fear and concern that I have. That debt, that debt as a percentage of GDP is very high, uh, and it restricts the ability of the, of the Treasury to react at times of war uh, and or recession. So what will happen in 2024, it's, it's, nobody knows for sure. That's why we like to be generally fully invested with only modest allocation changes. We think absolute allocation changes are a fool's errand 
uh, and we like to stay conservative. Anyway, economic data this week, Monday, January 1st, was a holiday, New Year's Day. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, so nothing. But then the rest of the week, we've got a lot of data. We've got the December U.S. manufacturing PMI from S&P Global, again, below 50, more more um, contraction there. Construction spending expected to be up six-tenths of a percent. Then we've got the ISM competing number to the S&P number, expected also to show decline. Job openings still pretty robust at 8.8 million. FOMC meetings, uh, meeting minutes for December. Auto sales, 15.5 million. Weekly jobless claims very low at 215. Then we've got the two big jobs reports for ADPs, expecting that um, the country's added 113,000 jobs uh, in December, while the Bureau of Labor Statistics is estimated to say we added 170. And we get into the services PMIs that remain positive and above 50. Services is a far larger component of the U.S. economy. That's why we haven't dipped into recession. We've got the S&P Global on Thursday. Um, unemployment rate expected to tick up to 3.8 factory orders. And then the ISM services also expected to be above 50. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Welcome to 2024. Don't forget, we're available as a podcast, Slaying Bulls and Bears. We try to make the complex and complicated simple and sensical. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.